welcome to the first Performance Marketing Unlocked podcast of 2024. And in this episode, we are going to talk about what is getting our attention this year, what we think might be overrated, and what we might think be underrated. So, welcome to the studio, Robin and Jody. Hello, Robin. Hello, Lucy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And hi, Jody. Hi, Lucy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, before we get into our predictions, trends, and what we think we might see in 2024, got to give a warm welcome to Jyoti, who's our new premium content editor. So welcome to the team, Jyoti, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about what what you might be doing this year, what you might be getting up to on PMW? So um, I'll be looking to build our premium content. So I'll be looking to do some more uh, deeper dives into the performance marketing industry. And that involves analysing key trends, offering insights and speaking to experts at leading brands and agencies. Very envious of Jodie. She's been visiting lots of very high level companies. <laughs> She's in just a... the premium version. Yes, of exactly. <laughs> well, Robin, let's take it to you. What is getting your attention in 2024? OK, well, um, as we speak, we're going through a historic moment this week because this is the first time Google is finally enacting its um, cookie deprecation. That word deprecation we've been saying for the last mm. four years is happening to 1% of Chrome cookie users um, because they're testing it uh, this week. Um, and then they're going to roll it out, uh, their privacy sandbox um, alternative, across 100% of users on Chrome um, by the middle of Q3 this year, which will be a pretty massive moment for the internet industry. I think the only two things I can think of more recently have been when GDPR came in mm. and Apple put in its um, app ATT um, privacy crackdown a few years ago. So this is a really big moment, one to watch um, with earnest this year. It's going to be a transformational year in marketing. Um, and it's also can meant- we be certain that it is going to happen this year? <laughs> well, they, they are... This week, they should enact that 1%, which can mean that'll be quite important. That'll be, that'll be 1% of Google Chrome users is a massive number anyway. So they must actually mean something. I think they're still being very careful. And I know a lot of people have said Google would be much more cautious and advertiser-friendly than Apple were a few years ago with their, with their stuff. So can we take their word for it 100%? Um, people have said that what they're actually doing is a lot more, not less uh, harsh than, than perhaps they could be doing. Um, and it, but uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Um, to mark the sort of death of cookies, I've actually been researching it a little bit more. Perhaps more, I should have been doing this a long time ago, to be <laughs> honest, because I found out some really interesting little snippets about the history of cookies. Um, so do we know which year cookies were first introduced to the internet? I think I do. It's 1994. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing how Lucy knows that. It's amazing. It's almost <laughs> like we've rehearsed this. I don't know. Um, yeah, cookies were introduced in 1994. And I've always been annoyed as a journalist, and you two will, will probably sympathise, you know, you're trying to communicate information to people. And cookies does not explain what cookies do at all. I always try and say tracking cookies and stuff. Um, when I've looked into this, I found out that the, uh, the initial function of cookies was to simply store a user's um, information in their um, online checkout as they continued to browse in the online shopping world of 1994. So it was never made for advertising in the first place. So our whole ad ecosystem has been built on broken technology in the first place. So it's quite a good idea that we kind of lose them and try and start afresh, although there's a lot of other broken things in the ad ecosystem, and many people argue. The other thing I found out about cookies is why were they called cookies in the first place? I'm not going to ask you, Lucy. <laughs> We've had rehearsed this. I found out that um, they were initially called magic cookies, which is another word for fortune cookies. 
And that explains it so much better because it's like packages containing bits of information, small packages containing information. And as a journalist, I've been using these images of those old-fashioned chocolate chip cookies for ages when I think fortune cookies would have explained it so much better. So I'm annoyed they're dying out because I can finally explain them visually a lot better. And why do not more people know this and tell me? I don't know. I know, know. talk about timing. (laughs) And guys, I did think as it's like, you know, a new year, predictions, Chinese New Year as well, I thought we could actually open our own little virtual Mm -hmm. fortune cookies live in the studios is a bit of a risk. Oh, I know, what um, if I get a bad... Okay, we've all got a, a virtual fortune cookie to open, so shall we open them now to see what yes. our fortune holds right. for the year? So mine says, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Oh, well, there we go. This yeah. is what we're doing on the podcast. Some point. say today is going to come true. Robin? Happiness might be right under your nose. George right. right under my nose right now. A podcast mic. <laughs> so well, there, there you go. we go. It makes me happy. <laughs> mine says... It says you have good reason to be self-confident. I think oh, we all agree with yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so those are those predictions. But the the main most interesting thing about cookies I'm going to watch this year is um, it's it's an ultimate showdown between the open web versus walled gardens, and where is that huge amount of money that's going into um, into tracking cookies going to go after that? That money advertisers invested in that part because I, I found out according to um, one piece of research from a, a supply side platform. 33 across in the US 80% of all programmatic executions still use third party cookies that's data from Q3 of last year Um, and if my calculations are correct that's 480 billion pounds worth of ad spend that's using a a technology that's going to go out of date this year so that's a huge amount of money that's up for grabs is that going to go more into walled gardens as they offer trackable stuff that's behind a black box or is it going to go into the open web places like the trade desk and there's other platforms critio citrus ad that kind of thing um, and where market is going to be looking to spend a huge amount of money there's a lot up for grabs this year and i don't i, I think watch the trade desk watch google watch meta's platforms see and q3 big battle big showdown in ad world i mean it always surprises me when i hear about the lack of preparedness of advertisers for the cookie deprecation. I mean, it's been quite a few years now, but I mean, I guess there's other issues. People are actually wait. They're not going to not going to waste their time on something that they don't didn't want certain um, is going to happen. I remember when I was at Mexico, when I asked if anyone was you know how prepared they were, they said not even on our radar. You know, we're more focused on being more sustainable with our practices and things that had more of an immediate effect rather than the whenever the cookie deprecation was at that time. Yeah, I suspect there's a lot of people with plans ready to go, but they think it's not um, not profitable to do it right now while that technology still exists. There might be a lot of massive panicking moments in, in the sort of um, August, June, July, August time of this year when everyone is actually moving over. Do you think it will kind of, it will people will make the most of cookies whilst they can and then the day it, de- yes. the day it deprecates if that's you yes. know, um, it, it will have a huge change yeah it just depends where they're planning on going are they going to use some of these um, solutions of money. yeah are they going to use some of these solutions offered by people like the Unified ID 2.0 which is offered by the Trade Desk and other platforms offer similar things or are they going to invest more into med- trusted places perhaps they might call them Google and, and Meta but, but they're slightly less transparent as we mm. say well Jyoti, what is getting your attention or what will be getting your attention for 2024? So I want to start just talking about social media quickly because mm. um, today I read a blog post by um, a US journalist called uh, Alex Kantrowitz and he's predicted that Musk will uh, sell X by the end of 2024. 
right after the uh, US presidential elections. And I thought that was quite an interesting prediction, mm. given that since Elon Musk took over Twitter, as it was then, um, I think it was 2022, you know, it's been played with some sort of controversy f- from paying for the verified blue tick, especially as a journalist, that was a big deal. Yeah. And even for brands, you know, they made sure they got verified so people knew that that was the genuine account so they could trust what they were putting out. So I think it's going to be a really interesting year for X. We've got US and UK elections coming up this year, just as an expert had said that we're entering a global trust crisis. So it's going to be interesting about how social media is going to behave during the lead-ups to elections. And I think trust is going to be a key thing this year, especially on social media, with it being a big election year and given what happened with Cambridge Analytica in the last US elections, I think people will be watching it quite closely. Mm. And, you know, just before we move on from social media, it's interesting to see what X will be by the end of the year, especially, I mean, if, if Elon Musk does let it go, is he letting go of his plans to have a super app as well? Because in our predictions pieces, Sarah Timms from Loop Me spoke to us and said she expects to see more super apps similar to WeChat, Gojek and Grab that are popular in Asia. And uh, she said, we have already seen the signs of these super apps in the US and that Gartner has predicted that over 50% of the global population will be users of at least one super app by 2027. So, I mean, that opens up um, a plethora of opportunities for brands and advertisers and user data as well. But yeah, will Musk Musk let go of that idea? I don't know, because it seems he's pretty sad on it. He is, but you also got to remember that a lot of people have lost their trust in Twitter and X, whether that's brands or journalists, um, especially since, you know, he got people to pay for that blue verified tick, Mm. which was done on merits before. Now it's based on you paying for it. And to own a super app, you have to put a lot of trust into that app because it's all about a single sign-on. I love the idea of only have to think of one password to like pay for my airline tickets and my train tickets and then my social media as well. But you have to put a lot of trust in that person. Is Elon Musk the person you trust with your credit card details? I don't know. Who knows? But yes, because it would be a pay app as well, and which is interesting, just before we move on, that uh, TikTok Pay um, has uh, launched in America as well, which also uh, mirrors strategies used by WeChat in China. One of the things that I'm actually uh, keeping an eye on at the moment is the kind of mergers that are happening in the media industry, particularly just before Christmas, Warner Brothers and Paramount um, were, and I'm assuming still are, discussing a merger uh, together. And this is mostly important to marketers because of the streaming wars and how that's going to affect that. So Warner Brothers has HBO Max, which is now named Max, and Paramount has Paramount Plus, which are two relatively small streaming services compared to the likes of Netflix and Disney Plus um, and Amazon Prime. So it will be interesting to see if that merger will, you know, better rival uh, Netflix and Disney, especially as, you know, people are, we're still in a pretty tough cost of living crisis. People are cutting their subscriptions daily. So, uh, you know, seeing what effect that will have will be very interesting to keep an eye on as well. You know, I think that's quite interesting. I think especially with Amazon introducing its ad-supported tier, I mean, 
what, a couple of days ago? Mm. That's when it went live. And what's interesting about Amazon is they're, rather than following what ne- Disney and Netflix have done and the ads that appear in their supporters are follow a similar pattern to like linear TV. It's 30 seconds, a minute long. They're looking to maybe do something which is a bit more interactive so and a little bit more targeted to the audience and there's a whole talk about personalization going on and um, we've been talking about it for the last couple of years but I think with AI um, new technology coming in place and more data I think we're now going to see with the streaming services more targeted mm. and personalized ads based on what the consumers are watching based on their even their shopping habits so especially with Amazon Prime because everything is linked to your what you buy on Amazon what you're watching if you have it mm. so a uh, gold mine of data Amazon have and it's what's yeah. probably why they're kind of becoming so much more much bigger player in the ad world like you say JT yeah I'd really like to see what the interactive element is I, I love a bit of interactivity yeah. and mm. with connected TV and or AVOD or fast whatever you want to call it that key difference with between that and normal 30 second commercials is interactivity the addressability so to use that more would be fascinating I remember the old was it Tipex ads from a few years ago where it was like on YouTube as a hunter something's a bear and the, the person could write in what they did to the bear and it create they created like hundreds of videos and there's been lots of versions of that on youtube and i like to see that across like more into the living room sort of interact with people in, in an individual way yeah. oh that'd be brilliant yeah. speaking of tipex have you ever seen an ad for tipex recently <laughs> well um, that was the one a few yeah. years ago i mean do people still use pen and paper so they, do they <laughs> even require <laughs> <laughs> so do they require tipex yeah, yeah, I don't know. No. I don't know what they've moved into, but yeah, they, I'm sure there's some. I'm sure they're still using. They've taken tippets. over the backspace key on laptops. Now. Yes. <laughs> One of my other things to watch this year, though, I've mentioned Google Meta and the Trade Desk. I mean, coming up through the middle in this world, in the ad tech world, is um, Amazon. It's really, um, it sits astride two of the biggest sort of new sort of success stories in performance marketing of the recent years, which has been um, retail media and connected TV or AVOD or whichever, whatever you want to talk about it. It's sitting on those two areas. That are big areas of growth right now retail media is sort of using retailers as ad networks and then connected tv with amazon um prime ads and what's interesting with their rival netflix is they've recently said that they actually have seen a big take up in the last quarter for their ad supported tier saying 30 percent of all signups are now choosing that ad supported tier so it is becoming a much bigger player in the ad world I think people are going to take CTV a bit more seriously although there are still issues over transparency there yeah and sort of just to add to that I um I went to the Netflix offices uh, just before Christmas and when Netflix first launched their ad supported tiers one of the big things was that not all the programs and not everything that's available on their um non-ad supported tiers probably the best way to say it um would be available but they are making ways to make most of the content that's available on those um, more premium tiers available. So I think there'll be a lot more uptake in people. Yeah, to make it more attractive. And yeah. affordable as well. I think that's going to be a key, key thing. It's a big thing this year. People are going to trade off, you know, advertising for saving money more. Mm. Uh, the key thing to point out with Amazon Prime, as different to Netflix and Disney Plus, is they've opted you into adverts whereas Netflix you could choose to downgrade 
Um, whereas with Prime, if you're paying for Amazon Prime, which is the weirdest combination ever, Amazon Prime, it's free delivery and a TV service, isn't it? Um, but it, it somehow love worked. Film, didn't it? It was the, love film. Yeah. I, thought, oh, I love film. Yeah. Blimey, I used to get the I used to get the DVDs. Yeah. That's how old I am. Um, but um, yeah, but the uh, with Amazon, yeah, you you automatically on the ad tiers, you have to actually actively get away from that. So I'll be interested to see how many more people are on Prime and how attractive that is to advertisers because of that reason. I, I hope our um, fortune cookies are at least some way true. The rest of the predictions and trends that we either hope or hope not to see in the uh, next 12 months, we will keep a close eye on, both on performancemarketingworld.com and via this podcast. Well, thank you very much for joining me in the studio today. Thanks, Lucy. See you next time. Thanks, Lucy. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to follow, subscribe to keep track of everything that happens in the performance marketing industry. And we look forward for you to join us in our next episode in two weeks' time. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Bye.